Thank you for listening. This is Rabbi Divi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Please tune in every week on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Have a great week. Shabbat Tov. In your stomach, you have two future great nations. And from your stomach, they're going to split and go out to be what we would call today the writers of history of the world. You know, I heard years ago, I was in Israel, <laughs> just thinking about it now, uh, there was a rabbi who a lot of people used to go to get berachot on Purim. So when you walked into the rabbi's house, so the rabbi had on the table a bottle of Jack Daniels and a bottle of Johnny Walker. And every person that would walk in on Purim, he would take both bottles, pour them together into a cup, mix them, and then he would have a l'chaim with the person. So one of the guys asked the rabbi, said, Rabbi, why are you taking the Jack Daniels and the Johnny Walker and mixing them together? He says, because when I drink them both, I'm mikayem shnei goyim bebitnech. You know, I have... <laughs> Anyways, but coming back to the, you know, the topic. The point is, the rabbi told Rivka Imenu, two great nations are going to come out of you. Sure enough, there it was, the moment that history was made. Yaakov and Esav was born. But in her mother's stomach, a deal was consecrated, where Yaakov Avinu turned to Esav, like the Midrash tells us, and he said to Esav, choose, which one do you want? Do you want Olam Hazer, or do you want Olam Haba? And Esav turns to Yaakov Avinu and says, well, tell me, What's Olam Hazeh? What's Olam Abba? And I'll choose. Yaakov says, oh, Olam Hazeh. Yesh ochel, v'yesh tia, v'yesh nashim, v'yesh ta'avot, Oh, Esav says, it sounds good. So tell me, what's Olam Abba? Says the Midrash. Yaakov Avinu turns to Esav and says, Oh, Olam Abba. En ochel, ve'en shetia, ve'en ta'avot, ve'en nashim. Esav says, that's a no-brainer. I mean, uh, you see, Yaakov Avinu, he knew how to present the goods. No-brainer. Esav signed up for Olam Hazeh. And Yaakov Avinu, he was given Olam Haba. And right from the get-go, when they came out from Rivka Imenu, already the deal was consecrated. Yaakov Avinu was going to get Olam Haba, Esav was going to get Olam Hazeh. With this understanding, it opens a great light to a question that they all ask on the Pasuk. Esav comes in from the field, he comes to Yaakov Avinu, and he says to him, what are you cooking? He says, I'm cooking lentil beans, a lentil soup. Finally, Esav says, Yaakov Avinu says, I'll give it to you. But, sell me kayom. Kayom? One second. That doesn't make sense grammatically. That means, sell me like the day. He should have said, Michre hayom, today, make me a sale of your bichora to me. But yet he says, Michre kayom, sell me like the day. Which day is he referring to? Well, now we know which day he was referring to. Yaakov Avinu was saying, Michre kayom, sell me the bichor like the day we were in the mother's stomach where we already consecrated the deal then, that you were going to get Olam Hazer, and I were going to get all the blessings of Olam Haba. 
Let's finally execute the deal that first started back in our mother's stomach. And there the deal was made. Esav ish sadeh, ish tsait. Esav, he got olam hazeh. Or maybe he didn't. We'll see in a moment. Yaakov ishtam. Yoshev Ohalim, Yaakov got Olam Haba. And that was the deal. You know, it's very interesting. This is going to clarify a great question that was asked by the Megale Amukot. The Megale Amukot says, where did Yaakov Avinu's name come from? The Pasuk says that when Esav went out first, Yaakov reached out and grabbed the Akev, the heel of Esav. And that's why they called him Yaakov. Says the Galeam Okot, wait one second. If the reason why you're calling him Yaakov is because Akev, the heel, then call him Akev Avinu. Where did the Yud come from? Where did Yaakov come from? And as well, he asks on Esav. Where did Esav's name come from? Because Chazal tell us that Esav, when he was born, he was Asui. He was already pre-made. He came out like a little man. He came out already fully developed. He came out completely covered, you know, from head to toe as you would think a full man would. You know, you can imagine Esav going out and turning to someone and saying, hey, you have a light? You know what I mean? He's like, it was a little man who came out. I mean, there was no infant. There was no baby there. He came out puffing. Esav! Asui. He was already made, pre-made. So Rabbi say, why are you calling him Esav Rasha? Let's call him Asui Harasha. And this is really what history should have been. We should have had Akev Avinu and Asui Harasha. So asks the Megale Amukot. And then he answers a wonderful answer. He says, again yet, in Judaism we see that every act that we do in this world in a physical way, it has tremendous spiritual ramifications. Every move we make already has an impression on heaven in a spiritual way. When Yaakov Avinu reached out and grabbed the Akev of Esav physically, in essence, he created the same result spiritually as well. He reached for the Akev of Esav. Akev is the heel. That means that he reached for the heel of the name of Esav. Esav was Asui. The word Asui is Ayin, Sin, Vav, Yud. He grabbed the Akev of Asui. What's the last letter, the Akev, the heel? Yud. He grabbed the Yud from Asui and he pulled it back, leaving Esav with Ayin, Sin, Vav. Esav. Pulling back the Yud to Akev, which now would spell Ya'akov. And now, here are their names. So their names, Ya'akov, Esav. But I want to tell you something deeper. You know why Yaakov reached for the Yud? He could have reached for any letter, for that matter, spiritually. The reason why he reached for the Akev and not the Rosh, he grabbed the Yud. Because the Gemara tells us that when Hashem created Olam Hazeh, He created the world with a He. This world, Olam Hazeh, with the letter He. When Hashem created Olam Haba, He created Olam Haba with the letter Yud. Oh, now it makes sense. Do you know why Yaakov reached for the Yud? Because the deal they made in the stomach was that Yaakov was going to get Olam Haba. If that's the case, the Yud belongs to me. If that's the case, he grabbed the letter that Hashem created Olam Haba with, the Yud, pulled it back, 
created from Akev Ya'akov, the one that's going to Ben Olam Haba. Esav, you're Olam Hazeh. You're Isadeh. You shouldn't have a Yud in your name. Yud is Olam Haba. No, you should only be Olam Hazeh. But now you're going to ask me, but wait one, Rabbi, we're missing something here. Because you just told me that Hashem created Olam Hazeh with a hey, And there is no hey in Esav. And here's a fantastic answer. Guess what? Esav, Rasha, he didn't even get Olam Hazeh. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. There's a famous story with the great Reb Aaron Cutler, Zechit Sadiq Lebracha. Reb Aaron Cutler was the Gadol Hador, the Torah giant from Europe. That was the founder of not just the BMG Lakewood Yeshiva, but the entire unbelievable Bnei Torah city of Lakewood that it is today. In those years, you know, it's funny how you could see what a Tzadik Yisod Olam really is. Where, at that time, Reb Aaron Cutler was here in Barapak. And he had a small little minyan of just a few bachurim that he was teaching. And it was at that time that Rabbi Aaron had an idea. In those years, you know, today I guess, you know, we're very much out of touch with this. But once upon a time, the Ashkenaz community, very much, well today as well, they go up to the Catskills. They go up to the mountains, you know, the Borscht Belt. You know, they go up to the Catskills. Many of them, I know my mother-in-law, she used to tell me as well that her father used to take them when they were vacationed in the summer. They used to go to Lakewood. There was the Capitol Hotel there that many people used to go to as well. And it was a very resort-like type of area. It wasn't too far away from the water, and it was cool, and so on. So Baron Cutler used to go collecting money. So when he went to Lakewood, to the resort areas for people who were on vacation collecting money, he thought and he found the perfect place to home the future of his Lakewood Yeshiva, of BMG. And that's where he started from. There's a great story that they tell over, and it's a legendary story, and this is a story you cannot forget. This story we got to tell our kids. Rabaran Cutler was approached by a very wealthy man who Rabaran used to go collecting money from all the time. And he came to the rabbi and he said, Rabbi, I want to give you a check for your Lakewood Yeshiva that you just started. However, before I give you the check, I have a question, and I want you to be as honest as you can with me. Tell me the truth. I'm asking for it. Only the truth. Barnes says, of course. I only say the truth. I mean, what's the question? Tell me what's your question. He says, Rabbi, I really believe that I have it a lot better than you. You see, because I heard, the guy said, I heard in the name of the venerable Hafez Chaim that somebody that supports Torah they're going to Olam Haba. If that's the case, I got it all. I write out checks. I support Torah. So I'm going to Olam Haba. But at the same time, I have Olam Hazeh better than you or anybody. When I want, I go out and I have steaks. When I want, I go out on lavishing vacations. When I want, I'm, I'm living it up here. And I'm going to get the next world as well. So, Rabbi, I have it so much better than you and all the guys sitting and learning. Rabbi Aaron Cutler starts laughing. And he says, You know what, my friend? You are right. And what you heard in the name of the Chafetz Chaim is true. When you support Torah, you will get Olam Haba. But Olam Hazeh, you'll never have until you open a Gemara and start learning. To get Olam Hazeh, the pleasures, the beauty and the sweetness 
of the incredible genius of what Hashem put into this world. The only way is through a Torah connection. Because it was in the Torah that Hashem looked as a blueprint to create this world. You can't have this world without the blueprint of its creation. You cannot have this world unless you have a Torah lifestyle. There is where the pleasures of this world can really offer. And what's amazing is that was the beauty. Yaakov was supposed to get Olam Haba and that's why he grabbed the Yud because with the letter Yud the Gemara says Hashem created Olam Haba but Esav didn't even get Olam Hazeh that's why not even a He was in his name because even what he was supposed to get he didn't because without Torah you can't have this world let alone the world to come if this is the case I'd like to try to understand together what is the difference in the person who's living a lifestyle that we could clearly label Ben Olam Haba and someone who's not there yet? And I think the answer lies in one word. Direction. The people that are living with direction, those are people that you can call them up at any time of the day. And believe me, you ask him, what are you up to? What are you doing? You'll never hear the answer, eh, nothing much. Or maybe, you know, I teach in a high school. So there's a very common term that you call up one of the high school boys. What are you up to? And the answer is, chilling. I'm just chilling. You know, it's funny. And I said this to my boys so many times. You know, it's great that you're chilling because everyone needs a little downtime to relax. But once upon a time, the concept of chilling was that we would relax so that we can catch our breath, so that we can recharge the battery, so we can go on to what we're supposed to be achieving. But when the chilling became, instead of the means to a goal, but rather the chilling became the goal itself of life, then you're going nowhere really fast. And that's the difference between the Ben Olam Haba and the one that's not there yet. A Ben Olam Haba is someone with such focus and direction in life. They understand that life is precious. They understand that every moment that we don't capitalize on is a moment lost that you can never replace ever. They understand that with every minute I can be grabbing different goals, living certain fulfillments in life. I can have a direction that I know what I want, I know what I could be doing, I know what I could be cashing into. That's someone who's a Ben Olam Haba. I want to give it with a little bit of a twist to it to understand where I'm coming from. The Mishnah says, Kol Yisrael yeshlem chelek le-olam haba. Now, grammatically, that's very difficult to understand. The proper grammar should have been, Kol Yisrael, every Jew, yeshlem chelek, they have a piece, be-olam haba, in the world to come. What is le-olam haba? That doesn't make sense. To the world to come? Fantastic answer. That was given by Reb Chaim Velazhin, written in his Sefer Nefesh HaChaim. He was from the great Talmud of the Vilna Gaon. And writes Reb Chaim Velazhin something fantastic. Ladies, this is something to hear. He says, 
when a person stops for a moment and even thinks of doing a mitzvah, you didn't even do anything yet. You just thought about it. The moment you just thought about doing a mitzvah, it already created a commotion in heaven. Hashem says, oh, 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 oh. look, look what's about to happen now. And literally it's as if the heavens stop, go silent, and watch this guy. At that moment when he begins doing the mitzvah, writes the Nefesh HaChaim, Hashem sends down to this person, this man or woman, in process of doing a mitzvah, a certain light. And that light wraps around the person like a talit, and that's the light of Gan Eden. That light helps the person to fulfill and perform the mitzvah in ways better than they themselves even knew they could do in the first place. And by the way, this happens a lot. People go out, they start sacrificing, they throw themselves into certain mitzvah situations, and they know it's difficult, and suddenly things just start opening up for them. And suddenly things just start working out for them. And they say, wow, siyata dishmaya. Yeah, it's real siyata dishmaya. It's funny, if you'd only be able to see your own face at the time of the mitzvah, you're glowing. There's a certain light that with the right eyeglasses, you could actually see it on a person. There's a light on a person. It's in a bubble of a Gan Eden in this world. It's as if you brought down a little piece of Gan Eden while you're in the process of doing the mitzvah. The minute they finish doing the mitzvah, Hashem takes the light back along with the mitzvah itself that was done, brings it back to Shamaim, and with it creates that person's olam haba. Did you hear that? That means we are creating olam haba in this world. Every act that we do, we're sending off another brick to that magnificent mansion that we're going to retire to in retirement village called Olam Haba after 120 years. And what it's going to look like eventually is what you're doing now. So the whole world now has focus. Everything I do in this world has a meaning and most of all it has direction. Everything I'm doing is directed to putting away another chelek. Le Olam haba. Now it makes sense. Call Yisrael, every Jew, Yeshlem Chelek. They can continue adding another Chelek and another Chelek and another Mitzvah and another Hesed and another Gimilut Hasadim. Le Olam haba. Towards the Olam haba that they're going to eventually go to as they're building for themselves in this world. And by the way, if you want to hear a wonderful pshat, the rabbis say that this was the reason why Yitzchak Avinu did not know how big Arasha, his son Esav, was. You know why? Because Esav surpassed even Yaakov Avinu in one area of greatness. Esav's kibbud av was legendary. Matter of fact, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, he writes in the Mishnah, that he went and he would serve his father, the great Rabban Gamliel. And he would take care of his father his whole lifetime. And he writes, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, that in my lifetime of great kibbut avayim service, I didn't reach one one-hundredth of what Esav's kibbut avti Yitzchak Avinu was. And he starts giving many examples. 
He starts giving examples of the unbelievable delicacies that Esav used to bring to his father to eat. He starts writing that Esav used to put on big day malchut. He used to put on kingly clothing, his best Shabbat clothing, so to speak, just to enter to serve his father. He wouldn't go to enter his father with regular clothing, only with majestic clothing. Esav was this fantastic kibbut avaimnik. That was one mitzvah that he had better than anybody else. And because of that, ladies, now it makes sense. Now you understand why Yitzchak Avinu didn't know what type of rasha his son was. You see, because really it's tough to understand. If we would go into a great tzaddik even today, he could look at a person and see already where the person's holding. Could you imagine you go back 500 years, you walk into the home of the Arizal. You don't even have to open your mouth. He could look at your face and tell you everything you did from the day you were born. We're talking not about 500 years ago. We're talking about Yitzchak Avinu. These are Gidole <laughs> Elyon. They're like angels. And he doesn't know about Esav. Does that make sense? But now it does, you see. Because when did Esav always come to his father? He came to his father every time he came to do Kibud Av. The moment Esav entered the mitzvah of Kibud Av, as we mentioned earlier in the name of Reb Chaim Velazhin, the mitzvah, the light of Kibud Av wrapped itself around the Rasha that he was so engulfed and enveloped in the mitzvah itself that he brought down a little piece of Gan Eden at the time. So what do you think his father felt? Every time Esav walked in to feed him, his father smelled Gan Eden. That's why he thought that Esav was a tzaddik. That's why he couldn't see the real Esav. Because he was enveloped in the mitzvah of Kibbut Av. Fantastic. If this is the case, you understand pretty well now why the difference between a Ben Olam Haba and a Ben Olam Hazeh is a difference of night and day. The difference is, what are we living for? Where's our direction in life? Do we have fulfillment in life? Or are we just living just for heke, taking a day at a time? The people that wake up in the morning and have no clue what's going on that day, and they're going to live life just the way the wind blows that day, that's not a person with direction or purpose. We were meant to be a bigger people. We were meant to be a greater people. When we signed up under the great Yaakov Avinu as his children to be B'nai and B'te Olam Haba, what we meant to sign up for was a people with direction and purpose in life. I have a direction. Every single thing I do is another chelek that I'm sending in this hallway to the greater good, so to speak, of Olam Haba. If this is the case, Sometimes we got to open our eyes. And I hope I don't offend Chas Shalom anybody by saying what I'm about to say now, but I think now is the right time to say it. You know, Bore Olam, the way he created this world was with such genius. I mean, the human eye. There's a lens in the human eye that no Nikon, no Canon camera, no company, no human could ever try to duplicate such a lens. Not the most advanced lens that they have today for the best cameras doesn't come close to the lens of a human eye. 
the human heart, the way it pumps blood in, and the way it pumps out, and the way the valves know to open and close on their own. We're walking miracles. Hashem's genius is everywhere in the world. If that's the case, if we are to believe that this world could only offer the success story of a person driving a nice car, going away on a vacation, and building a nice house, and that's it? That's all that Hashem could provide? These are the, you do really believe that the master genius that put the world together and everything in it and all he could deliver to us in the way of a life to look forward to is a car, a house, and a vacation? I mean, that's undermining the brilliance of Hashem. When people wake up, they have to realize there has to be something more to this life than just the same waking up in the morning, getting on the train, going to the city, coming back 9 o'clock at night, coming home, there's no wife, there's no relationship, there's no kids, there's no marriage, there's nothing. And we're like gerbils running in this circle, running around and around and around and again and again and again. And finally comes Shabbat, maybe Shabbat. We can get a little something of what life can offer. And Friday night comes and we're standing there holding the cup. And before we can finish Kiddush, our eyes are closing. And halfway into the meal, we're already off to go to sleep. This is it. Is that all? This is all God was able to give? That's it? This was the pleasure that he meant when he gave us the greatest gift called life? Alexis, Aruba, and a, and, a, and a house? That's it. There has to be something more. You can't minimize his genius by taking the scraps of what we end up with. The answer is, we're supposed to be Ben Olam Haba. People with direction. And we lost our direction. We lost what was meant to be important and was not meant to be important. And we took the not important and we made it super important. And we took the super important and we brushed it under the carpet. And because of that, Hashem says, listen, I gave you such opportunity for the greatest pleasures to enjoy Olam Hazeh. But you'll never get it because it doesn't come on our terms. We've got to get back onto the GPS system of life and find our direction. Let it recalculate and send us to the real destination. Our eyes are supposed to be on that Chelek Le'olam Haba. Rabbi Miller writes, and this is a fantastic work, Rabbi Miller put together a pamphlet in Hebrew. Actually, these days I'm teaching it to the high school guys now at night. It's called The Ten Steps to Greatness. Eser Dargot Ligadlut. What a magnificent pamphlet. And I tell you, I believe in this pamphlet because Rabbi Miller himself, I mean, it's, it's fantastic the way he put it together. You know, he says over, and he said on one of his tapes, he writes that, he says over that, you know, if you go through the entire Chobat HaLevavot, and you go through the Sharet Teshuvah of Rabbeinu Yonah, and then you go through all the Hilchot Teshuvah of the Rambam, and, and he's, he's listing all these books and all these amazing Sfarim that he went through. And he says, after he went through 30, 40 years of research, he compiled these 10 steps to greatness. 
Uh, that has to really open your eyes to say, wow. And he says that the common denominator of all these classical works all came back to these 10 steps that he's about to put forward in front of us. And what's so funny is, is that in the Hakdama, in the introduction to the 10 steps of greatness, you know what he writes? He writes, when you're about to start these 10 steps of greatness, don't talk to anybody about it. Don't tell anybody. Because they're going to hear, they're going to make fun of you, and they're going to deflate you from your inspiration. They're going to rob you from the biggest growth spurts that you can have. And there he starts with the very first step. What's the first rung on the ladder of these 10 steps of greatness? The first one, take 30 seconds, that's all, 30 seconds a day, and think about Olam Haba. Now, if you tell this to someone, they look at you and say, Religious, what happened to you? Olam Haba, Fad Bil Khair, what are you crazy? What? Don't talk to anybody about this. 30 seconds. You could be waiting for your car in the valet. You could be online. What are you to think about? Olam Haba, the world to come. I can have a hard enough time getting through this world, Rabbi. No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what Rabbi Miller writes. He says, what you're supposed to be thinking about is, at the end of these 60, 70, 80, 90, 120 years, what am I going to sit on? What am I going to sit on? Am I going to be given a, a stool with three legs? Am I going to be given a pogo stick to balance on one leg? Are they going to give me a respectable chair in Olam Abba? Maybe I'll be given a home. Maybe I'll be given a castle in Olam Abba. A person, a Jew, has the potential to be zocheh to 310 olamot in Olam Haba. The rabbis call this Shai Olamot. Shai, Shinyud, 310. 310 olamot. You could be a queen of 310 kingdoms. You could have that. How do we get there? Well, by the way, take a look at the words for a minute. Kol Yisrael, yesh. Yesh is backwards, is shy. Each Jew, Kol Yisrael, every Jew, yesh. 310. You can have 310. You can have 310. Olamot. How do I get that? Well, the rabbis tell us. A husband and a wife, like we said in last week's class, are two halves that Hashem took in his shama, split it in half, and sent both halves down, one, at a t- one half at a time, for them to find each other, come back together, and complete as a whole, if you remember last week's class. Husband and wife, like what Rabbi Akiva said on his wife Rachel, Sheli v'shelachem shelahi, everything of mine, all my Torah belongs to my wife as well. We're as one neshama. Well, now then it makes sense where the 310 came from. You see, there's 613 mitzvot, the oraita. Then there's another seven mitzvot, the rabbanan. So 613 plus seven mitzvot is 620. Husband gets half, wife gets half. Husband gets shy, 310. Wife gets 310. Ah, kol Yisrael, every Jew. 
male and female, husband and wife, yesh, each one gets 310 of a chelek le'olam haba. That's what we could be getting. Now, if you would spend that 30 seconds thinking about why am I going to be in olam haba? Am I living to my potential in this world? Am I really doing anything in this world? Am I accomplishing the mission I was put here to do in this world? Was I even put on a mission in this world in the first place? Do I even know what my mission is in this world in the first place? What am I doing with my life? Do I have direction? Do I have fulfillment? Am I living up to what Hashem wanted me to do with my life? Or am I slagging behind? Do I have direction? When you think 30 seconds, it doesn't take more than that. 30 seconds. Suddenly, we get our direction back. Suddenly, our eyes are keeping onto, you know, we're not getting lost in the smoke and mirrors of this world, but we could see what's real. We could see what we really have the opportunities here for. We have direction. We're Ben Olam Haba. This realization, ladies, can hit a person literally in one rega. In a moment, you can get a mindset that could send you to Olam Haba. That's the moment that the light bulb goes on. That's the moment that we finally realize that you know what? This world really is smoke and mirrors. You know what? I had all the stakes. I went on all the vacations. What did it do for me? Nothing. Besides the credit card bills, what did it do for me? Nothing. Where did it take me to? Did it make me a better person? Did it bring out a fulfillment in life? Did it fill that emptiness that I have constantly that I'm always looking to grow and do something bigger and better out of myself? No. The moment we stop and realize that there really is a rhyme and reason to why I'm here and there needs to be a mission I got to live up to and I want to live as a bigger person and I want to start doing for Klal Israel and I want to start doing for my family and I want to start doing for myself that's the day we begin to live and that's the day that we also begin to build our Olam Haba that's the Chelek Olam Haba that can be caught in a rega in one moment, it hits us. And wow, I didn't see that. Now I get it. Now I want to live for a purpose. Now I want to live for something bigger. One rega could change it all. We just wait and pray to get that rega early enough in life to be able to make a change in the world, in ourselves, in our families. I want to tell you a story. Wow, is this a story. Hey, there was an American Kolel Avrech who was living in Harnof in Yerushalayim Erach Kodesh and he wanted to take off one day to go up north to go pray by the Kivre Sadikim. He was going to go to Tiberias, to Tiberia. He was going to go to the Kivre Bimeir Balanes. He was going to go to the Rambam, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva's wife, Rachel, who's buried there as well. From there, he was going to jump up to Tzfat, only 35, 40 minutes away. And if he can make up that treacherous mountain, he'll finally get to the cover of the Arizal, maybe the Mikveh, down to Maran Bet Yosef. Wow! Repinchas ben Yair, the Baal Chadodi. I mean, he had his eyes and his sights on the biggest of all. And from there, he was going to make his way to Amuka, to Rabbi Yonatan ben Uziel, and then finally to end the day on a high, in Meron, by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. 
This was going to be a day of tefillot. This was going to be a day of Yeshuot. And he was really psyched for this day. And he wanted to start the day early. He woke up sunrise. He prayed really early, packed himself a day's worth of food, and he called up a taxi company and they sent a nahag. In Israel, they call it a private. Private means that you're not going in a sherut with five, six other people. Definitely not a bus. It's just your taxi to do whatever you want for the day. And he turns to the Nahag and he says, You're with me today. He says, Ken Habibi, I'm with you all day. Wherever you want to go, I'm going to take you. Especially when he hears the broken English, or the broken Hebrew, I mean. And he sees English, the ring, right? The dollar signs go on. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Whatever you want. No problem. So where are we going? He tells the Nahag, the taxi driver, We're going to Kivres Sadiqim. First, we're going to go to Tveria, then to Tzvat, then to Amuka, then to Meron. He says, okay, if that's what you want, that's what we'll do. They start driving. Now, ladies, from Yerushalayim to Tveria, you're looking at at least two and a half or so hour drive, maybe more. So as they're going, and it's a long journey, and you understand how two guys in a car, conversation kicks up little by little. So the uh, Nahag, the taxi driver, turns to the Kolel guy and he says to him, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah. He says, between me and you, why are you wasting your day going to all the cemeteries? Between me and you, I want to tell you something. They're dead. He says, they're dead. Who are you talking to? You're going to sit there Cemetery to cemetery, grave to grave. You're going to be standing there praying. He tells him, no one's listening to you. No one's hearing you. And Afechadsham, it's just a bunch of dead people. What are you doing? He says, listen to me, Habibi. I was in this war. I was in this war. I saw everything that life has to offer. Nothing new in the world that I don't know about. Listen to me. You have me anyways. You're paying me anyways. Let's make a left to Tel Aviv. I'll take you to a soccer game. Afterwards, we'll go to a cafe. We'll sit down and eat. I thought it was a date, you know. We're going to go sit down and eat together. And we'll have Haim. Avrech looks at this guy. And he says, Are you joking? You're joking? He says, you're telling me they're dead? I said, those tzaddikim, he tells the Nahag, they're more alive than me and you. And every time we go to Kivre tzaddikim, when we pray our hearts out, the tzaddikim are listening. And they ma'ale our tefillot. Like a true melitz yosher. They bring the tefillot up to Kisei kavod. You know how many yeshuot came to people that went to Mishtateah on the Kivre tzaddikim? Dead? They're more alive than you. You're dead. Oh, then I got upset. Matai, what are you, Mikalel? You're cursing me? He says, you don't know what you're talking about. The taxi driver got angry. He starts screaming. They're dead. It's a bunch of jokes. The whole thing is a jihad. The whole thing is a joke. He says, Habibi, this is the world. En od olam. This is it. This is life. You have to squeeze, he tells him, you have to squeeze out of it as much as you can. You have to grab from this one and run to that one and grab from this one. And whatever you get, you get. And once you die, chalas. There's nothing else. The 
Khalil guy turns to the taxi driver and says, you really believe that? You really believe that there's no olam haba? You really believe that there's no life? There's no sadikim? He says, Ken, amarti lecha. I fought in this war and I fought in that war. I saw everything. I know everything. Okay. So the Kolel guy turns to the taxi driver and says, if you really believe that, would you be willing to sell me your olam haba? Because to you it's worthless. It's nothing. So for you, you'll make a score. So the taxi driver looks at him with a smile and says, Ah, that would say, Liknote da'olam haba He says, yes, I do. He says, okay, pseder. Kamata rotze lishalem liyala olam haba so the guy looks at him and says, oh, now all of a sudden when money was put on the table, all of a sudden it exists, all of a sudden it has value, all of a sudden it has worth. He says, no, 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 no. He says, and I don't believe in it. He says, but to you it's worth something, so now I, 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 want, I want money for it. He says, okay. The Kolel guy says, Pseder, I'll give you, I'll give you ten shekel. He says, ten shekel? Okay, Pseder. You got a deal. And the guy's laughing, the taxi driver. Literally laughing. Thinking that he made a score of a lifetime. He just ripped another 10 shekel out of an American. John is laughing his head off. Yalla, let's do it. He says, okay, pull over to the side. They pull the car off the side. And the American Kolel guy pulls out a daf, a piece of paper. And he starts writing a shtar chose. He starts writing a actual sale, a contract between and he writes the taxi driver's name he writes his name and how he is now purchasing the rights to the olam haba of Mr. So-and-so the taxi driver for the sach schum of 10 shekel shkalim chadashim boom and at the bottom of the page two signature lines with names at the bottom with a date he turns to the taxi driver and says okay yalla execute tachtom sign Text driver says, and by uh, ten liet, he takes it, and with azut, he's smiling, he's laughing, ah, you're getting ripped off, he's, ah, you lost ten shekels. He's really sticking it into the guy. Okay, there's a sign. Taxi driver signs, and the Avrech signs. He takes back the star, the Avrech, folds it up, he puts it into his jacket, and he says, okay, achshav, ha'olam haba shelcha, sheli. Your Olam Haba is mine. And I'm not giving it back to you. Taxi driver says, keep it. Now it's your problem. It's yours. And he's laughing. The guy, Mamash, thinks he ripped them off something good. They get back on the road. They drive up to Tveria. Now, ladies, you'll understand after two and a half hours of driving, you know, you get to a destination no matter where you're going. They got to the Kever of Merbalanis. Everyone gets out, so the taxi driver wanted to stretch, so he also gets out and he goes up to the kever of Balanes and he looks inside to see what's everyone doing in there. And the non-religious taxi driver couldn't believe his eyes. He looks and he sees hundreds of people, men, women, old ladies, young men, young ladies, you know, seminary girls, young kids, and everyone is praying their hearts out. They're shuckling back and forth, and Elahad Meir Anenui, and they're praying for Yeshua. And he sees people crying, and he sees people begging. He says to himself, Voila, look at this. It's not just one guy. 
There's a lot of people out there that's crazy. They really believe in, 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 in the dead. They really believe this is going to get them somewhere. He couldn't believe his eyes. He never saw it before, he says. Couldn't believe his eyes. Well, he didn't say anything. Listen, this is what you want. You're paying me. I don't care. After he finished the mayor, gets back into the car. He goes to the Rambam. He sees the same thing. He goes to Rabbi Akiva. Rachel, Eshet, Rabbi Akiva. He heard the ladies outside crying. He says, wow. You know, they really take this seriously. He gets back into the car. They draw up the Tzvat. They go to the kever now of the Arizal HaKadosh. He sees people crying and praying. And now he starts thinking to himself. Wait one second. If all these people are begging and crying with tears. Maybe. Maybe there is something to this. Maybe I made a mistake. But his pride doesn't let him. He keeps his mouth closed. He doesn't say a word. After they finish in Sfat, he gets back into the car. They go to Rabbi Yonatan ben Uziel. He comes down the mountain all the way at the bottom. He finally makes those treacherous slopes. Gets down to the kever and he sees one coach bus. After the next coach bus. After the next coach bus of all those American seminary girls that want to get married that year. And they're coming to Rabbi Yonatan ben Uziel, the great Sigula, to get married within the year. And he says, I don't believe this. Not just here in Israel, but from all over the world they come. Just to the Kivresh Sadiqim. Oh. And when he finally got to Meron by the Rajbi, and he saw how many people begging and crying, that was it. He says, I made a major mistake. On the way home, I got two and a half hours with this guy. I'm going to convince him to give it back. They get into the car. They start driving back to Jerusalem. After a long day of kever hopping from place to place. They're on their way back. Two and a half hours. The driver knows he has a captured audience. He turns to his kolel American friend. And he says, so, neneta. Ken, thank you very much. I, Bemet, I felt the tefillot were very strong. I felt that I could be zochet to a Yeshua. He said, okay, good for you. While we're on the subject, he tells him, you know, I was very impressed when I saw the people crying with tears by all the Kivres Sadikim. You know what? I changed my mind. You know, he would never say he made a mistake. I changed my mind. After thinking about it, maybe there is something to this Olam Haba. Maybe there is something to Sadikim. Maybe there is something past this world. You know what? Ten leads at the Hazara. Here's your ten shekel. The little guy looks at him and says, uh, Habibi, Amarti Lecha, I told you. Nothing doing. You sold it? You sold it. Amarti I told you. I told you you're going to come back and ask for it back. And I told you I'm not giving it back. It's mine. I bought it. He pulls out the paper, the contract, two signatures. The ink dried. It's mine. The Nahag starts getting all worked up. Ma, what are you talking about? It's not yours. It's mine. Ma, ten shekel, are you crazy? Give me back my olam haba. He says, no, nothing doing. I'm not giving it back to you. He says, okay, pseder, I need oer shata, businessman. Pseder, pseder. Okay. I'll give you a hundred shekel, okay? You made ten times on your money. Pseder, you have a nice return on your money. Yalla. 
Give me back the, the contract. Rip it up. My olam haba. Hundred shekel. The kolel guy sitting there. Nothing doing. You can keep your money. It's mine. Ma? Ma'itcha. Give me my olam haba back. He says, no, I'm not giving it back to you. Ladies, he offered him a thousand shekel. Wouldn't give it back. He offered him five thousand shekel and the whole day's nisiyah because he taught me something so it wasn't a wasted trip but give it back nothing doing the guy starts crying he starts crying you see what a Jew is even, even, even a Jew that's so lost and far they start crying this was my connection how foolish was I I gave everything away for 10 shekel Believe me, we know a lot of people that give everything away for 10 shekel. I gave it all away for 10 shekel. Ah, he's begging the guy. Finally, they pull into Harnof. Finally, they pull into the block where the Kolel guy lives. He pulls up in front of the house and he sees the taxi driver's tearing. The Kolel guy turns to him and says, Habibi, listen. I'm not going to take one penny from you. I'm going to give you back your olam haba, but on two conditions. The guy says, Ma, you're going to give it back? So I'm going to give it back. Lo grush for lo grush. I'm not taking a penny, but on two conditions. Condition number one, that if you ever meet in life another Jew that's not like you, don't be mizalzel in them. Don't make fun of them. Don't degrade them. They might believe in something you don't. They might have something, a minhag. They might have a halakha. They might have something that you didn't grow up with. They're different, it's okay. No matter what their last name is, no matter what darkon they're holding in their pocket, no matter where their passport brings them back to, no matter what their roots and lineage come from, a Jew is a Jew. There's enough goyim in the world that hate us. We have to get rid of the hatred, even if people are different. Ahavat Yisrael, promise me, that no matter what type of Jew you meet in life, you'll always love them. You won't put them through what you put me through. He says, Okay, what's the second point? He says, the second point, you would have given me the 5,000 shekel for that Olam Haba paper. I'm not taking a penny. And here, here is it back. But, I want you to take that 5,000 shekel and I want you to give it to a rabbi to sit and learn Torah with you every single day. So you'll start figuring out that life has so much more to offer. I want you to get direction in life. I want you to learn about Olam Haba. I want you to learn what Olam Hazeh could be. I want you to taste the Shabbat. I want you to taste the mitzvah. I want you to taste the Gemara. I want you to get direction in life. Take the 5,000 shekel. Give it to a kolel person to teach you Torah. And find direction in a Jewish life. Become a real Ben Olam Haba. Not just on paper. He thought about it. And he said, Beseder Animaski. He handed him the paper. He took the paper. He ripped up the paper to shreds and the guy was happy like he won a lottery. 
The taxi driver got out of the car, ran up to the Kolel guy. You know, Anachno, we get very emotional. Ran up to the taxi, to the Kolel guy, gave him a big hug, started kissing him and thanking him and says, Asita li Asita li You gave me life. You gave me direction. He gave me back my Olam He goes back into the car and he drives off. Ladies, you think that's the end of the story? The taxi driver drives to the corner and suddenly his brakes give way. He goes straight into the intersection as the Kolel guy watches. A truck was coming from the opposite direction, hits the car, the car rips off into a wall, and the taxi driver dies on the spot, holding those papers ripped up in his hand. Do you think he's going to Olam Haba? Yesh shekone olamo b'shayachat. In one moment. All it takes is one rega, one moment to get our heads straight, to see through the smoke and mirrors of this world, to see through the sheker, to realize how many steaks can you eat? How many vacations can you go on? How much money can you make already? What are we really doing here? What's our purpose here? There's so much to live up to. So much fulfillment, so much good we could be doing. Our minutes are slipping away. Our life is slipping away. I could be in one rega. The light bulb goes on. I have what to live for. I could start sending chelek le'olam haba, one after the next. I could have shayolamot. It says Rabbi Cutler, not just the next world and the 310 kingdoms that you can have. That's the only way to get this world. And that was the secret of Yaakov Avinu. That's the secret of a Jew. We're people that have direction. We live with a purpose. We wake up in the morning and we know what we're doing. We get er up early for a davening. We get up early for a seder. We get up early for chesed. We go out and help people. We get out and give from our time. We give from our hearts. We're people of fulfillment and direction. We're B'nai Olam Haba people in Olam Hazeh. That's the beauty of Klal Yisrael. Thank you ladies for coming and thank you for listening. Hi, this is Rabbi Dovi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham, thanking you in advance for listening to the following Shi'ur Torah.